Transportation Matters, the CEO podcast of Daimler Truck. Welcome to Transportation Matters. My name is Martin Daum. I'm the CEO of Daimler Truck, and I hope all of you are well and healthy. Thank you so much for being with us again. In this episode, we want to talk about green energy transformation. Or more precise, we will discuss one of the most controversial topics of energy transformation, namely the role of hydrogen. In politics and business, too many people still question whether we really need hydrogen for the emission-free economy and the emission-free transport of the future. That is because there are quite a few myths and misunderstandings about hydrogen, and it's high time to counter this with facts. To do so, I have the perfect guest with me today, Bernd Heil. Bernd is a senior partner at McKinsey, but more importantly, he's a leading expert in climate technologies and a strategic partner to the Hydrogen Council, a global initiative of more than 130 companies that he also co-founded. And at Daimler Truck, we value his expertise very highly as well. Bernd, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Martin, for having me. It's a real honor that I can be with you here today. And Bernd, what I'm always fascinated, you had been an outspoken supporter of hydrogen for many, many years. Yeah, I know you as a hydrogen man. But what I never ask you, and therefore I think it's a good question, what led you to hydrogen? Why did you become so excited about hydrogen? And when did that happen? So actually, you have to go back 12 years for the start of hydrogen uh, in my career. And at that time, we did an analysis with um, players along the industry from oil and gas, auto industry. And what we did is we assessed different technologies and what will be the best technology to decarbonize transportation. And that time I had like the moment where I realized that this cannot be one technology alone. We need multiple technologies in a portfolio. They are complementary to really decarbonize. So if you believe in the logic that we are on a pathway toward net zero, we need hydrogen in the mix. And that was an eye-opening moment. And it stayed with me as a hobby in the beginning. So probably eight out of the 12 years that was swimming against the current. But I genuinely believe that we need it. And so therefore, I'm so excited to see now also the momentum uh, that we have in hydrogen today. That could lead me to the first myth. Hydrogen was hyped three times at least in the past. I mean, I go back in my career. And it always was afterwards a bust. And I hear it most often, the myth, hydrogen will bust again. I'm, I'm 100% certain that this will not happen. And I tell you why. Because if we want to decarbonize uh, this planet, we need hydrogen as an energy carrier. So this is more than just an application in a fuel cell for a car. And every time we talked about hydrogen in the past, it was always like, will that be efficient as a fuel for cars compared to battery electric. So we never thought about it as a versatile energy carrier for industry, petrochemical processes, aviation, marine, and so on. And so if we want to decarbonize all of these sectors, uh, we will not be able to do that without hydrogen. So the logic is very simple. No hydrogen, no net zero. And that's why I genuinely believe that we will hydrogen 
in the mix uh, going forward. I like that. That I think because this is a great argument for me when I talk about hydrogen is always a question how to store and transport green energy. Now, if I take the green out of the sentences as how to transport and store energy, there is one great answer. That is carbon hydrates. Yeah? That is why we use gasoline and diesel. But if I cut out the carbon of the equation, yeah, then is how to transport and store now suddenly green energy, then hydrogen comes into the equation. And that is a big changer. No, absolutely. You're right, Martin. That is the reason uh, why we need it. So think of it, uh, this is about an energy system. It's not just about an application. So today's energy, we got used to fossil energy. We have coal, we have gas, we have oil. And we have a distribution on this planet where we find these energy resources. So in the future, when you think of an energy system that is decarbonized and clean, you think of where do we find in the future solar or wind. And the distribution of that will be very different than what we have as distribution today of fossil energy. Mm -hmm. So you will have out of a sudden places like Australia, India, Middle East, of course, is both. Middle East is gifted with fossil, but is also gifted with uh, renewable energy. And then you have North Africa, you have parts of Latin America, think of Chilean wind in Patagonia or sun in Atacama Desert. So the distribution of clean energy in the future is very different than what fossil energy is today. But the large consumers do not change. We still consume a lot of energy in Korea, Japan, China, Europe, North America. So the question is, how do we in the future connect these energy systems? How do we get this clean energy to the consumers? And that is where hydrogen comes in because we will not be able to do that with an electron. We need a molecule to basically transport this energy. And that's where hydrogen comes in as an energy. Because the molecule can't be carbon. And you basically answered with this the second myth. Because what I hear very often when I talk about hydrogen is like, hydrogen is a champagne of the uh, energy transformation. And champagne should be reserved to the very special occasions like aviation or very, very difficult applications. And your answer would be no, hydrogen is not the champagne of transformation. Potentially, hydrogen is the water of transformation. I think this argument is simply bogus. Yeah, uh, for for one reason, uh, we will not regulate where molecules or electrons go. The market will decide upon that. And hydrogen uh, will be needed for a lot of these hard to abate sectors. If you think of, we will not be able to fly long haul in an aircraft in the future if we don't use synthetic fuel and synthetic fuel needs hydrogen as a molecule to produce it. Mm -hmm. If you think of marine shipping, all these container ships that are in the oceans, they need a decarbonized fuel that can be methanol, can be ammonia. But also for that, hydrogen is a precursor. So rather than thinking we will decide on where this molecule goes, uh, this molecule finds its way to applications where it makes most sense. And heavy-duty transport is one of those. I still would like to come to a world where people think hydrogen is not the champagne, but the water of transportation, because you can say airline or big ships could be still a champagne event. I represent the ordinary people, the ordinary trucker that need water, not champagne, to run their daily business. Which leads me to the third myth, and that is hydrogen is far too expensive to use it 
in something every day like long distance trucking. And also that's a myth. And, and thank you for that comment. So first of all, if you compare different technologies, hydrogen is supposed to be expensive today. But that is because we always compare it at small scale. We take it from places where renewable energy is expensive. Yeah, So we don't take the full advantage of the cost down potential that we have. So therefore, if you think today's hydrogen, if you produce it from renewable energy here in, in Europe, is somewhere between five to six uh, euros per kilogram. This is not competitive right now. But we use European renewables. But if you go to places in the future that I mentioned earlier, where renewables are cheap, you will be able to bring down the cost of hydrogen production because the highest cost factor is the input of renewable uh, energy that goes in. And renewable energy, just for our listeners, that is basically sun-based energy that could be water, uh, that could be wind, and that is in the most cases solar. And that is why we see so much potential in the Middle East, uh, in India, in Australia. And that is where we get then in the future the hydrogen from. But just today, we don't have this global infrastructure. This is not a market like like LNG today. So we, we will need to build it up. As a rule of thumb, if I would run a large solar park here in Germany, Northern Europe, Northern United States, and compare it with a solar park I run, let's say, in Northern Mexico or in Saudi Arabia, What's the difference, a factor in the cost producing that solar energy? You, you can roughly say that the efficiency uh, of solar in best places is like two and a half times better than what we have here in, in Germany. So therefore, I also believe that we will need to tap into these uh, renewable potentials. We will be a net importer of renewable energy here in Europe. Okay, so then it's fair to say if the efficiency is two and a half times higher, then the costs are two and a half times lower. That leads us to the fourth myth, and that is hydrogen will fail because its energy efficiency is too low. Directly from a solar panel into a battery is always more efficient than producing hydrogen and then producing electric energy out of hydrogen. I think that is not a myth. That is a fact. But the myth comes when I then transform it into it will fail because of that. What's your take on that? Martin, I, I agree to 100%. What I say, of course, we have like a larger than 95% efficiency in, an, in a direct uh, electric system. But the problem is we do not have these electrons available anytime, everywhere. So if you have electrons that you can use in a battery, go for it. Yeah? And we use that in many cases, like for city mobility and other applications in home heating. But the thing is, um, if you don't have that, it's better to incur energy losses. And, and let's say if you convert renewable energy into molecule, you lose a third of the energy. And if you take that molecule with its energy content and convert it back mm -hmm. in a fuel cell into electrons again, you lose another third. Yeah. So people say like, why do we use an energy source where we lose all of this friction? Mm -hmm. So I did one model calculation and uh, where we said like, okay, we take, let's assume average European renewables like here in, in Germany. They are very poor. We don't have so much sunshine here like in, in Spain or North Africa or Middle East. Yeah. If you just look at the tank to wheel efficiency, battery electric beats hydrogen by a large margin. It's two and a half times more 
efficient. So 70% versus 30 something percent on, on the fuel cell side. But if we now say, let's do the full equation. So going from the sun to wheel efficiency, and we then compare sun that we have in, let's call it Saudi Arabia, convert that into molecule at a higher efficiency level. It, it doesn't matter so much that we lose energy on the way to it. So net-net, if we do like battery electric, just uh, uh, German renewables to the axle on the, on the wheel, this is exactly the same net efficiency than if you take a Saudi Arabian sunshine and convert it and, and power a fuel cell uh, truck with it. Yeah, that combines with a lot of things you said that earlier. The moment we have to import energy and can't produce it here locally combined, the moment we have to import it, we have to link it to a molecule that is not carbon, so that's hydrogen. The moment I have hydrogen, anytime I transform it, I lose energy. So if I would use a hydrogen in a hydrogen electric plant to create electric current, then to power up my battery, I will lose. Then I better burn the hydrogen directly in the car or not burn it, uh, but uh, transform it in the car uh, or in the truck in our sense uh, to electric energy. Brings me to another one, which I get often confronted, that hydrogen is not green. Strange enough, Hydrogen has to defend its role as a green energy source. Any idea why that is the case? I asked that question myself. I don't have a, a good answer. It's maybe because we got so comfortable with uh, electrification and some people see then hydrogen as a competition. I think that's absolutely the wrong way to think about it, it's a complementarity. And to the, the level of how green or clean the molecule is, let me share a bit of like the color coding of the molecule, which helped in the beginning the industry. So we say green hydrogen when it comes to hydrogen from renewable uh, energy sources, solar, wind, hydro, uh, and others. Yeah. And that is truly green. Yeah, There is no carbon at all involved in that. Truly green if it's full renewables. If we yeah. just plug the electrolyzer to the grid, yeah. also that's not green. Yeah. Yeah? But this is what we call green hydrogen. And then some critics come and say like, hey, there is blue hydrogen and blue is bad, green is good, Yeah, which I think is wrong. So just for, for context, blue hydrogen is if you take natural gas, natural gas, you can reform that to hydrogen as well. The disadvantage is, this is a CO2 emitting process, so bad. That's gray hydrogen. But we can capture this CO2 and basically use it in chemical processes or store it underground. Okay, may, may, for our listeners, there is a process where you transform some carbon hydrates into hydrogen. You take the H out of the molecule, but you have then the CO2 left. Exactly. If the CO2 goes into the air, we talk about gray hydrogen, which is bad. If you capture the CO2, then we'd call it blue hydrogen. Absolutely. Because the sky stays blue and the hydrogen, the CO2 is somewhere in a, in a solid form. But the thing is, Martin, we have to think about it is like how little CO2 do we emit end to end in the process? That's true for batteries. That's true for hydrogen. So you need to think through a process chain from end to end. So literally from the production 
to yeah. you have the molecule how much co2 did we emit and then then we go more in a process of like okay this is a low carbon uh, production process and therefore i like the terminology clean much better than green or blue or other colors that, that we have there because it, it really means that we have a low carbon uh, process to produce it. I mean, speaking for Daimler Trucks and speaking for our customers, we are really interested in an absolute CO2 free process. Yeah, For me, uh, the future has to be not CO2 neutral, but CO2 free. Yeah, And therefore, it's very important to have when we use the term, whether it's green hydrogen or clean hydrogen, it always have to be 100% no CO2 into the atmosphere. Because anything else yeah, is, for me, just a bridging technology. That's, for example, the reason uh, why we at Daimler Trucks are so adamant against natural gas, yeah, which has, strange enough, a fairly good environmental image, which, in my opinion, I, I mean, it's just good marketing. I mean, it's, it's about 90% CO2 emissions like diesel, where diesel is the worst. So natural gas with 90% of the emissions are suddenly a great uh, energy carrier. No, it's it's not even a bridging technology for me. It's a, it's a dead end. Yeah, And therefore hydrogen has to be clean and we will push everyone who supplies hydrogen for the same. And by the way, on the battery side, I'm pretty adamant similarly, you know, to have to burn somewhere coal or natural gas to create electric current than to charge a battery. Uh, better burn diesel in that engine that helps the planet much more uh, because it's cleaner. So we need 100% green energy when I look at my electric outlet and I need clean and green hydrogen. Let's come to another myth uh, on that. Hydrogen is a pet project of the big industry. Two environmentalists go for something else. I, I think that's wrong, simply wrong. Because if you look at, yes, of course, you have like a, a lot of the current CO2 emitters. Think of the whole oil industry from Aramco, Shell, BP, Total, uh, Exxon, yeah, uh, working on decarbonized hydrogen, both green and, and blue. Um, but the thing is, if you look underneath, there's so much innovation going on. And this is like all tech companies, startups uh, that are in this uh, climate technology field. Yeah, Think of fuel cell production. Yeah, uh, You own a company, Cellcentric. Uh, there are others at similar scale. Think of electrolysis. Um, and this is like where the innovation comes from. So it, it's in the end, I say it, it's distracting if we say like this is a theme of big oil. Um, there's a lot of innovation going on on the tech space and we need to, to own it. This is like the future global market leaders. So we need to nurture uh, these companies, help them to scale. Uh, but this is where innovation comes from. So I, I would definitely counter counter that argument. And that could lead us to the next myth. And I forgot to count them. So I think it's a sixth one now we talk about. That is that hydrogen will fail because the required investments are too high. Also, that's a myth. Uh, look, Martin, what we did is like, we looked at the infrastructure. And the infrastructure is much overlooked in the beginning. So right now, I say in transportation, we are world in single-digit zero-emission vehicle penetration. And there it's cheap and easy to have the first uh, electric vehicles on the road. Yeah. So speaking of trucking, if you want to have an, a battery electric truck, 
the cost of an of a charging pole is 120,000 and you can get going. Yeah, that's not much. Whereas in hydrogen refilling station, this is like a 3 million investment and you need to have a base coverage somewhere to have the first trucks going. So in the beginning, infrastructure on the electric side is cheap, expensive on the hydrogen side. But as we go, we need a massive investment on the electric side in the grid upgrade. And that's what, what people do not take into account. Think of an average truck stop on an yeah. autobahn. Yeah. Yeah? You need an equivalent of energy that is like 25,000 people in, yeah, a, in a city. And so therefore, uh, on the infrastructure side, uh, as a provocative uh, thesis that we calculated, two infrastructures are cheaper than one. Yeah. Oh, that, this is a typical nerd math. You know, two is, uh, explain that. How can be two is uh, cheaper than one? So, so what we did is we said, like, let's simulate a world where we only drive battery electric. And the thing is, like, it gets really expensive when we want to really put electric grid and, and charging infrastructure everywhere to have a hundred percent penetration of electric uh, vehicles. Then we did the world on pure hydrogen. Same thing. And if you do mixed worlds where you say like, okay, I use electric trucks where it makes sense, short distance, um, distribution yeah. trucking and so on. yeah, And I use for long haul, I save a lot of that highly expensive uh, grid upgrade and infrastructure. And I'd rather go with a highly utilized hydrogen infrastructure. You will realize that the cost to society is cheaper if you have the coexistence of these two technologies than if you just have one. Yeah. And, and, and that is very important for us in the transportation industry. Because if I look not just at the production of the truck, if I look at the fuel today trucks are using, long haul is the name of the game. If we want to save the planet, yeah, it's not important whether a fire truck runs on diesel or on battery or on hydrogen, because that truck runs about 2,000 kilometers a year. It's important about the long haul trucks because they run 120,000 kilometers in Europe a year or 150,000, up to 150,000 miles in the United States. And it's not just one or two fire trucks in long haul. It's 1,000 or 2,000 going on a certain route. And if you multiply that with the annual driving distance, you see that we have to decarbonize long haul. And that's your point that here, the infrastructure investment. Absolutely. Uh, Martin, you taught me that, that the truck industry is a fairly simple one when it comes to economics. TCO is what matters. Mm -hmm. Total cost of ownership. I learned that from you. Uh, so therefore, infrastructure goes, of course, in this total cost of ownership because it's like a line item. If you think in the end, all what matters is like, what is the cost per kilometer driven or per mile driven And in the future, we just exchange that from today. We didn't care about CO2, so it was just cost. In the future, we care about CO2, so it's cost at zero emission. And then you see today, if you if you go with a diesel truck, uh, the number is, um, if, if you have like 500 kilometers range, diesel is like 1 euro 13 per kilometer. If we take battery in, in 2030, it will 103, fuel cell will be 102. Always total loaded cost in this calculation. And you see that roughly 500 kilometers is that magical break-even point, which supports the argument that you made. Uh, the majority is long haul 
heavy-duty trucking. So therefore, as a rule of thumb, you can say everything that's above 500 kilometers, you, you have a tilting towards hydrogen as an energy carrier, uh, including the infrastructure uh, being the lower cost zero emission technology. And if you stay below, it's rather uh, battery electric. There is no clear line divider. There are so many more factors that, uh, that come into play, but that's a, a, good, a good rule of thumb to go with. If I try to summarize now our discussion for the last half hour, you can say nearly three ages, but not ages because it comes in, in a subsequent of couple of years. From now until, let's say, 25, 26, we'll see very few hydrogen trucks on the road because there's no hydrogen. Yeah, because the entrance barrier is so high, there's a lot of investments to go on, which takes time. Then we have the next phase, I say 26 to 35, when the truck industry will ramp up, and I'm convinced it will be a, a very steep ramp up. In that phase, we will need definitely both energy sources. Your double investment, you know, the grid with uh, electrons, potentially not even green energy, but just out of the electric energy we have at that moment uh, through the grid and on the other side, hydrogen to complement, especially on long routes, unplanned routes. And then for me, it's this age post, I would say, 2035, where society has to decide how to store and transport green energy. And that is your, your hypothesis would be, and this is hydrogen, because we in the northern part of the hemisphere and the industrial parts of the world have to import energy. And once we import it, it has to be linked to a molecule and that's hydrogen. Would that be a good summary? I think yes, with the only caveat, I, I truly believe in both. Yeah? Okay. So I don't think that this will be hydrogen only world. Yeah. Okay. Our calculation uh, says that we will use in this global energy system 660 million tons to translate that that's that's 22% of the global energy demand that we have. So therefore, that will always be mixed. I'm, I'm against the argument that we say the world is simplistic and just goes in one direction. We will have certain applications where it's simply better to just use renewable electricity directly. And for that, where we need to store and transport energy over long distance and long time frames, that's where I think hydrogen can really play its, its advantage in that sweet spot. And, and that fits to our strategy when you say both are there, because we said, uh, for me, it's not battery against hydrogen. I sometimes see that people like to have an enemy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so it's one thing and the bad guy is on the other side. Yeah. So I can differentiate myself to the other side. And in this case, it's really both. And we have to live with that, that we have two sources of energies, two sources propelling the truck. And that will be hydrogen and battery. But for me, we call it inside our company ZEV, zero emission vehicles. Yeah. It will be electric vehicles. Yeah, Absolutely. We try to have as high as possible commonality uh, between a battery electric truck and a fuel cell truck. So we're talking here about electric vehicles with the same driving performance, with the same driving behavior. So ultimately, the customer, just it's just the issue whether I have to plug it in in the evening or whether I have to pump hydrogen into the tank. Absolutely. Absolutely great, Bernd. Thanks for your insight. You really live and know hydrogen inside out. Thanks for being here with us today. 
No, thank you, Martin. Um, it, it was a pleasure. And also, I can just say I find it inspirational how you lead the charge in uh, zero emission transformation. That is like 15, 20 years journey. And uh, basically to be at the front running and say like, you do both. Because like I fully uh, subscribe to your argument. That is not like, where's the enemy? This is like complementary. And, and you lift that, you demonstrate that and articulate that both on the electric side, battery electric side and the fuel cell hydrogen uh, side. So therefore, um, I'm very keen and will follow closely what you will do in the in the future. And thank you for having me. Yeah, and I appreciate your work in the Global Hydrogen Council because there needs to be a lot of movement in the next couple of years. And we need on the infrastructure side, time is of essence as uh, on us on the industry side. That's it for today. Please join us again for our next episode for Transportation Matters, because transportation truly matters for all of us. Until then, take care and stay healthy. That was Transportation Matters, the CEO podcast of Daimler Truck. If you enjoyed what you've heard, share this episode and subscribe to Transportation Matters on your preferred podcast platform. You can do this by tapping the follow or subscribe button right next to the podcast title. 